0: Welcome to Beyond the Paper Gown, the podcast where we explore women's health from all angles. I'm your host, Dr. Mitzi Krokover. Today, we're embarking on what we're calling Women's Health Happy Hour, inviting guests to join me about once a month in a conversation about their perspectives and opinions on various topics related to women's health. And today we have a bit of a twist. Our guests are two men. We're posing the question, Why should men learn about women's health? Our special guests are from different generations, and they've enthusiastically agreed to join us to share their perspectives on a topic that's often considered solely a women's domain. They've been tuning in to Beyond the Paper Gown, absorbing information, and now they're here to share what they've learned, what surprised them, and honestly, just to chat about why they think understanding women's health matters for everyone, not just women. I'm so appreciative they've agreed to share their views with us today. We'll dive into the biases in healthcare, the challenges women face, and how men can be better allies. It's really about understanding, empathy, and yes, a bit of unlearning and relearning. So grab your favorite drink, settle in, and join us at our inaugural Women's Health Happy Hour as we delve into what I hope you'll find is a candid and fun conversation. I know I learned a lot. Let's get this conversation started. Hi, welcome to Beyond the Paper Gown. I'm Dr. Mitzi Crockover, And today we're going to, I think, have a really fun conversation. We're calling it the Women's Health Happy Hour. And um, I have two wonderful guests who have... Uh, join me today. Dr. Bart Sokolo is the CEO of Environmental Advisors, which is an environmental consultancy dealing with toxic and hazardous waste. I should also say he is the father of two wonderful daughters um, and married to a wonderful woman. And um, Patrick Shambiati, who's CEO of Inner Skies Studio, which is a podcast production agency. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me.
1: My pleasure. Great to be here.
0: And, you know, I noted that um, Bart um, is surrounded by women. And, Patrick, uh, what's your connection to uh, women's
1: health? It's the women in my life my mother, my sister, my friends. These are people I deeply love and care about. And this is why I now care about women's health. They're my first reason to care.
0: Oh, that's great. So, you're also our producer for Beyond the Paper Gown. A uh, small detail that I omitted. I apologize for that. Um, so you've had a chance to kind of come along with us. So I know how you came to listen to Beyond the Paper Gown, but Bart, how about you?
2: Uh, my wife is a listener, um, avid listener. So she's heard uh-huh. all of the, the, the podcasts and is a real advocate. So I, with with that, I decided there was no question. I had to start listening. <laughs>
0: Patrick, we've been together for about two years or so, and I'm just curious about how the podcast has changed your understanding of women's health issues.
1: Like I said, the first people I think of are the, the women closest to me in my life, and I think there's a tinge of anger that I get when I think about how far behind we are as a society on <laughs> women's health. Because I guess as a man, I have this privilege of not having to deal with these issues. So listening to the podcast really put myself in their shoes. And to be an activist or to care about a cause, I think there is a certain amount of anger and frustration you have to have. (laughs) And I think that's what I developed.
0: Well, I appreciate that. Um, You know, it's interesting because I think that also women... Um, are now being able to maybe f- more fully understand why they've been feeling angry or we've been feeling angry for a long time, but not knowing exactly why. And obviously, that's what we're trying to do with this podcast. And I'm just wondering have you shared some of the information with uh, women in your life and found that they also, you know, that this was new information to them as well?
1: They're listeners of the podcast. And so, like my mother, who's, who's, a, who's a different age than my sister, will have different things that that, she, that resonate with her and that, that reflect experiences she's had. And then my sister, who, who's younger than me, looks at different things as well and has a different perspective. Like one thing that really stuck out to her was the social media, basically the medical, the gaslighting. Um, and the the social media censorship of women's health issues, because she's active on social media. And I don't think a lot of young people realize that their own well-being is not in the best interests of these social media companies. And there's a massive amount of censorship.
0: Just for our listeners to make sure you understand what Patrick is referring to, is that there has been shown that there is definitely a difference between what men's health companies can show and women's health companies and a number of companies in the women's health space have actually been banned and they can't show their advertising because it may be too considered too sexual, but yet it's not the same um, for men's health that not only, you know, again, hurts the companies, but it also, as you, I think, uh, referred to it takes away women's information you know information for women about these companies and even about just even their own health um, so thank you for mentioning that um Bart and I should mention that both of you are from relatively different generations and so I'm kind of interested in Bart your reaction to some of the topics that we have covered and, you know, what your
2: thoughts are. I guess I've been very naive for a long time. I guess I just kind of accepted, uh, kind of just watching the train go by. Um, My recognition of of more reading and the recognition that a lot of health decisions and medical uh, research have been primarily focused on men not women and subsequently the readings I've done is there and listening to your podcast it's very clear there are specific uh medical issues that are specific to women and quite frankly there are others that are not that are are both for men and women but are not presented or researched in the context of the fact that the implications are different uh the, the display of these um problems are different for men and for women Heart, heart attack being one very good example. Absolutely. And so there's there's kind of an immunity that's been built in. Well, they've done the research, so it must be correct. Wrong answer. It's it literally avoiding and not even dealing with half the people. But I've been so naive that I assumed that that was just fine, because that's the way it's always been. Still, the wrong answer. Um, <laughs> I live with three, not, not no longer, but have three strong women in my life. Yes. Um, they don't cower very easily. And get really ticked <laughs> off, um, and I listen a lot, <laughs> um, but I think along with Patrick, it's just there are things that we that I was not aware of, that listening to them talk about, I it, it was no longer in isolation. There's been a lot more in the press and on the uh, in research that indicate there's a clear uh, um, disparity between the reaction of women in medical uh, areas and and men, even just. I think as Patrick mentioned going to the doctor women are kind of oh yeah that's fine and they'll just and they you're you're kind of given a pablo you know just kind of ignored how bizarre my my daughter just had surgery I think I mentioned it to Mrs. earlier right and she was giving she was constantly being given medication Oxycontin as a matter of fact and she kept saying no I don't want medication I want you to fix the problem she finally literally decided That she was going to the emergency room it's not a heart attack so it's going to take longer she was there for 12 hours but somebody finally did an mri and said oh my god you need surgery she's going like hello but for six months they've been giving her medication she knew what the problem was but she was being ignored now was that because she was a woman and a young woman possibly and i think probably and that's really disgusting and how's she doing She's doing fine now. I mean, it's, okay. recovery has been two weeks. It's taking time, but she's getting there with a lot of uh, physical therapy. She's a strong woman. Um, sure. But she was so frustrated because nobody was listening. They were giving her answers that she wasn't asking questions of. And she was responding to what was going on, but nobody was listening. And I think, unfortunately, the doctor was a woman. The pain yeah.
0: management physician? Yes. Wow. Interesting. Well, that brings in all sorts of, uh, of questions about uh, medical training versus, um, you know, because I won't go into this, you know, right now, but, you know, I think there was a lot of bias baked into our medical training. And so then, you know, trying to undo some of that is um, is also a challenge, whether you're a, a man or a woman. We assume that women are going to be ma- more understanding, sensitive, and all of that. And we'd hope that that might be the case. But, it may be that it, it's more of an upstream um, issue. You know, my question was going to be, do you feel more equipped to be allies for women's health? And I think that you guys have answered that question um, beautifully. And how do you see potentially um, enlisting other men um, and educating them as well? Um, have Patrick, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Maybe the way to access men is to really tell them that they're going to be better men. So if you want to better yourself as a man and, and provide more value to your family and your relationships, then step it up, <laughs> educate yourself, and learn this stuff. <laughs> know that the, 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 the signs of a heart attack in a woman are completely different. And I learned through this podcast about the Hollywood heart attack the clutching of the chest, the gasping, the keeling over. Heart attack signs in women is just different. And that's shocking to me. I can't believe that. Heart attack signs in a in a woman can just look like, like being kind of lightheaded and having to sit down because you're dizzy. There are a, a dozen examples I can think of of information that I now have that's going to make me a better man. Also, you know, even a best first responder, just understanding <laughs> health issues sure. as they're happening, you know. It's not just about empathy. It's about dealing with something that's happening, knowing, oh, no, I need to call 911 right now.
0: Because sometimes even women don't recognize that, right?
1: So many guests on the show and Mitzi have talked about this. Women do not complain. Men complain (laughs) 10 times more than women. (laughs) Women go through so much, and if you're a mom, you've gone through decades of. of, You've just learned not to complain. You're tougher. I'll just say it. I'll be the first guy to say it. You're tougher, okay? And that only becomes a problem when you're looking out for your own well-being, and when you're trying to to prioritize your own wellness, which is usually like number twenty on the list of your priorities as women. So, to answer your question, Mitzi, what men can do is they can be aware of all of these issues. And they can be educated, but also be aware that women and moms will not complain and maybe be proactive, maybe reach out and propose Mm -hmm. that they take some time to rest and relax. That's my thoughts on it.
0: I love that. Bart, you were writing something down. Did you have anything to add to that?
2: The one thing I wrote down was uh, something that Yogi Berra said, you don't know what you don't know. If you don't know something, ask and most people are afraid to do that and then also if you're given a response from someone who's an expert you listen to them and you go half the time okay well what did he say that's part of it's not just women it's just people who when they are confronted with information they don't understand are afraid to say i don't get it what does that mean how does that apply to me and how do i deal with it and that's the biggest problem and it's not just feminine so Beyond the Paper Gown doesn't just all of a sudden say, oh, I just mean women. Your podcasts are way much more universal than that. And I think the issue is trying to get people to realize, oh, I can digest this. And not only that, this is the part I really love. Normally in experts, the kind of people you wind up interviewing, you get for a 30-second soundbite on radio or TV. You don't get them for 45 minutes. Oh, my God. You've got these people who are talking, conversationally, because it's like you're sitting there with a glass of wine or just having a nice lunch, and they're waxing poetic, and I don't mean it to be sarcastic. They're talking, comfort- you're, they're comfortable with you, they're opening up and telling you stuff that they may be not inclined to tell a patient because they only have five or ten minutes with them. But you've got people who are real experts talking about things that you go, oh, I didn't think about that. And it wasn't in a soundbite where it's, okay, now we're going to commercial. <laughs>
0: hmm.
2: I so appreciate that. Thank you
0: very much. Um, we're very uh, lucky to have uh, experts, like you said, willing to to share their time and their expertise with us. And that was certainly uh, our goal. I want to go back to something Bart said, and i uh, ask both of you this. Um, and I know that what you probably both um, have heard um, some of these podcasts that we've done on menopause, and uh, talking about menopause in the workplace. And I think, Bart, you've mentioned about something that maybe men don't want to talk about it, but it affects the workplace, whether you're an employer or a colleague. And so I'll go to Patrick first. You know, what do you think about that? And how would you feel, I guess, if you had a colleague like that and as a, a man um, what would be your response or, or what do you think people's levels of comfort are?
1: That's a great question, Mitzi. I think I would have two completely different perspectives as somebody who didn't listen to the podcast and now as somebody who who does listen to this podcast. So if I had never listened to this podcast, nobody would have taught me about menopause and and its effects on workplace performance. And I would just be completely ignorant and I'm, I can only speculate what I would think. I just, I just wouldn't understand. I wouldn't understand the issue at all, but I listen to this podcast and I do understand the issue now. So if I were leading a team and I recognize that issue, I would have a, a completely different perspective and a completely different approach Um, And we've had, you can just go back just a couple episodes, but we had an interview with Leslie Ford who talked about work-life balance, menopause in the workplace, and countless others who have brought up this issue. And it's a very real issue. And I think it has a fairly elegantly simple solution. And that's just understand what's happening and bring um, some very basic tools like like empathy and understanding to the table it, it It's very interesting to me, and it's something for me to think about um, as as the owner of a company, um, and it's something it is truly the responsibility of any managers, uh, any coworkers, anyone who's in, in, in a company with, with women to understand um, exactly how menopause affects, um, work, work life.
0: Thank you. Bart, do you have anything to add to that?
1: No, he dealt with it. Um, <laughs>
2: it, cause it, it's not something you can bring up in conversation. HR would have me in their office in 12 seconds. And I think the, the flexibility required now in, in the workplace, um, now allows for it more than it ever did um, as part of just the natural progression of dealing with life. Um, and perhaps the, the work, the remote issues dealing with work now make it a little bit easier because the kind of stuff I'm dealing with, it's always, um, centered on getting an, a, an objective done. If indeed you can't do it, you have to go to, the, you have to take go to a doctor's appointment or take care of the kids. That's something that even has been more acceptable now than even five years ago. I mean, I've had, I've been on phone calls where someone said, excuse me, uh, is my daughter on the other phone? I don't think five, 10 years ago, the work community would accept that as an alternative or as an option. Um, And to that point, you know, do you
0: feel that because of this, you know, hopefully increased awareness that men are feeling like they have more permission to share, you know, Caretaking duties, or to actually have to leave the office to, you know, take care of something, or even looking at family policies.
2: Oh, absolutely! I, 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 I have, I have done carpool, and I have screwed up. <laughs> I think I was banished from doing it for a while, from one. But I think that uh, it's a indication of being egalitarian, as well as almost a um, you, you get a you get points for doing that. Not necessarily in the, in, the, in the male community, but recognition that I'm part of it. And a lot, a lot of even people my age, it was like it was okay to drive carpool. And it wasn't something that was only for women, which I think is really the point you're making. I think that the of recognizing that the duties were not just male and it was me to go out and, and, and hit stone and be able to continue bringing income is the only function for a man. And I think a recognition of that kind of—you don't—you could call it feminine traits, but I would say just more the recognition that you're part of a family, and that you're not just out there just to make money, but you have other obligations. Not because it's an obligation, but it's part of a—you're you're part of a, a larger uh, family, and I think that's important because it makes you feel better. That's the other part I think that we don't talk about. Men do have feelings on occasion. <laughs> And they bring it to the surface by actually participating, not by saying it, but just by doing things, by making dinner.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, and going back to what um, Patrick noted about one specific podcast with Leslie Ford, um, she was talking about how, you know, managers can emulate or or be role models and say, hey, I've got a therapy appointment, I'm going to leave early today or I'm going to go pick up the kids. And so then it just really um, normalizes it for for everybody in the workplace. We did a uh, webinar that had four parts with respect to the Dobbs decision. And what our focus was trying to do was to show that it's not just about a woman ending a pregnancy. It was about the fact that there are economic consequences to not only that woman, but to her family. There are health consequences, and there might even be consequences with, with respect to other um, laws down the road. And I wonder if you did hear that webinar, this is a little bit of a loaded question, but don't take it that way. Did it change the way that you looked at the abortion issue, which is a a really one example of a women's health issue and the ramifications of it. And Patrick you're nodding so I'm going to start
1: with you. That webinar really did educate me as a again as a as a pretty ignorant man who didn't understand really anything about this topic um, and and what the the real impacts of doing of allowing such a decision to move forward really are and and to, you know, the title of it was Aftershock. So I really did understand that the societal implications down the line of, of what that really meant it was pretty disheartening. It wasn't our happiest episode, I'll put it that way. No,
0: no. We had a lot of uh, very passionate people about that. One of the other reasons that we wanted to show it in this way was that it doesn't just affect women, but it affects really all the way up to our GDP and, you know, uh, families and, you know, if someone, uh, privacy issues and so forth. And we really wanted to make that uh, noted that it's, it's certainly a women's health issue because obviously it starts with, you know, a woman's body, but the ramifications go so much farther.
2: That's the biggest issue is, again, lack of understanding and education. And that's simply something that has, it's going to take generations for people to comprehend that there were other options. If they've never been able to figure that out, that's the biggest issue.
0: And that's a great segue in terms of education. Um, you know, a lot of women, um, probably have never really, uh, Explored their own anatomy, <laughs> you know. You'd be surprised. Obviously, we're talking about education in uh, schools being very varied, depending on where you live, and then we have these ads, you know. And I always joke that my girls knew what erectile dysfunction was before they knew what a vagina was, and um, yeah, did you did you just cover your ears, Bart yeah. <laughs> in any case, um, so I'm gonna hopefully not make you guys blush too much, but looking at these ads, it seems like we're much more comfortable with ads for erectile dysfunction, no matter how graphic they are, but yet there's a real discomfort with period products or um, menopause products. And I just want to get y'all's take on that, not to put you on the hot seat, but I will. And Patrick, I'll let Bart recover for a few minutes while you answer that car. <laughs> <Good> question. <laughs> so,
1: so i I think this is I I hate to say this with with every answer but this is why people should listen to the podcast. And let me explain. <laughs> Feel free. Let me let me explain why, okay? I have I have a I have a good reason. Okay. It's this part of our brain that kind of lights up when you find out that like a conspiracy theory is actually true. <laughs> it, that I had that experience when I learned about this particular women's health issue. So it this by the way, this happens all the time in the podcast. Um, with with, an expert will come in, will actually provide empirical evidence showing that like no research was not done on women. They only did it on a man and then they released a drug and didn't consider the side effects and like a pregnant woman. And so it's, there's a ton of fascinating conspiracy theory, like things that have been proven true that if you, if as a man listening, if you want to go to a party and, and really shock some people, just tune in. Gather some of these facts. One of them <laughs> that that really got me was that that you brought up, Mitzi, that on um, on the internet and on social media, and basically, I'll just call it our algorithm. Whatever content p- content is just placed in front of us now. That 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 content is extremely biased, and to the level that's like it's a little suspicious. Like, what is the ulterior motive here? I I still haven't figured it out.
0: Well, we were, we were actually, um, there was a couple of our um, Instagram uh, posts that were taken off and we we're still not sure why.
1: It's fascinating. and y- you, don't, you don't get an answer to that question, right? Um, mm-hmm. th- it's, it kind of speaks to a larger problem of having private companies decide what content goes in front of us, which is fine for a purely entertainment platform. Like, okay, if Netflix wants to decide what to show me or not show me, that's okay. But when you're using these platforms to get all of your information and all of your news and to inform yourself on on your own health and wellness, and it's being so heavily censored, and to use your word, Bart, literally in obscene way, it is obscene the level of censorship there is. A woman's health product cannot even have the word breast in it, can't basically can't have any female anatomical words in it to describe a medical issue, to sell a medical device to people who are suffering, who are in pain, who are just toughing it out through life. And and, and this product will not find them because the algorithm will not place it in front of them. Uh, I think that's something that people should be pretty riled up about.
0: Sure. Let me ask you a, a somewhat different question. You as a man, how do you feel when you see women's health or women's, um, yeah, women's health products advertised, whether it be on TV, if you even watch TV anymore, or, um, you know,
1: on uh, social media? Well, that's really interesting, Mitzi, because to be honest, I don't see them advertised.
0: That's a really good point.
1: I'm just being honest. I don't see sure. them advertised and I don't watch TV, right? So everything right. I watch is has an algorithm and it knows me and it knows my interests. So that might be the root of the problem here in some regards. However, I know that women, we, it's been proven through multiple guests who have come on and, and explained sure. this and really broken it down, the science behind it, that women are also not getting this in their exactly. algorithms. So somehow- the women are still seeing all of the men's health. You talked about the, the ED, medical solutions and stuff, but aren't even getting their own issues addressed. So sure. there's something profoundly wrong with this algorithm where I'm not seeing it. And we know now that women aren't seeing it either.
0: I'm interested in what you think about how can society better support and address women's health issues. And Bart, I'll ask you first.
2: I find that when someone talks about the essence of things, whether it's a man or a woman, you don't. I, I'm not in a position where I ignore women. If I did that, I'd be living in a hut by myself. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> There's no question. No question. Yeah. And the only way that we can make the changes are on one by one. It's kind of the 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 other side of death by a thousand cuts.
0: Interesting. Patrick, did you want to say something?
1: Yeah, um I, I just want to echo what, what Bart said. I was, re- was really well put that um one, that every individual has to change their perspective on women's health. On the bottom of the pyramid, as the individuals, there has to be the change there. Then I guess like the the middle of the pyramid, which is corporations or companies or or medium-sized groups of people. The, the management of these, these companies has to understand issues like menopause and has to develop um, empathy for mental health. And that has to be written in the procedures as well because that's just how corporations work. If it's not outlined in ink in standard operating procedures for how to deal with human issues, then it just won't be done and it'll be ignored in favor of the bottom line. Then, at the very highest level, you know, going to what we've discussed in like our webinars and brought on panels of, of experts who are talking about what the government can do and what health organizations can do, like the NIH. Um, there has to be a complete one hundred and eighty of how we're approaching it now, and and there has to be a, a the understanding that a happy and healthy society is not one that has the dominant world military or the the largest corporations or something. It's one where every individual person is getting the attention and care that they need and that their voices are being heard and that women's health policy is being decided by people who understand women's health, preferably women, maybe not (laughs) 80-year-old men, So I think that you can't just change things at one level, you can't just have a policy change and expect 300 million Americans to become educated and become experts and advocates for women's health. At the same level, you can't just change the individuals. As we've experienced Mitzi, how do you even access these individuals if the algorithm is censoring (laughs) information about women's health? That's where you have to change the corporation and the fact that that Meta, Facebook, and I know this isn't going to become a clip because this is going to become censored if we try to put this one <laughs> on social media. We'll save. so only the podcast listeners get to hear this one. But um, <laughs> that that if Meta is censoring life saving information about women's health, then everything has to change, and and I really hope it does. Well, I do have optimism though that we can change because. We have a whole new generation coming in that, that is pretty skeptical about what what our older generations have been doing and wants to do things differently. But I do, I do have hope that we, that we can do this. But I think if it, if it doesn't work at the policy level or if it doesn't work at the corporate level, then it's just going to delay that end goal even further. And that's the problem. I hope that all of these avenues can open up so we can finally just move on as a society and just really be a, a proper modern society and, and address these really basic issues of, of, of wellness.
0: And when will you be running? <laughs> 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 because I want to be your campaign manager. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, We'll continue our conversation with Patrick Shambayati and Dr. Bart Sokolow and find out which of our episodes resonated with them, how we can encourage other men to educate themselves more about women's health issues and their own health, and get some concluding comments as well. As the holidays wind down, you may still have a few gifts you need to get. Check out our holiday gift guide at beyondthepapergown.com. We also have a new Making an Impact page highlighting nonprofit organizations working to make women's health better. So check it out as well. Happy New Year from all of us at Beyond the Paper Gown, and best wishes for a happy, healthy, and peaceful 2024. We're back with Dr. Bart Sokolow and Patrick Shambiati. I've kept you all uh, pretty long, so I just want to ask a few more questions. Um, and uh, totally self-serving, and that is, and I'll start with Bart, what topics or episodes resonated with you the most? And also, were there any episodes or subjects that were uncomfortable to listen to?
2: Well, I'll start there. I'm, I'm, I'm not prone to start a conversation with women about menopause or their period. Um, I will listen. (laughs) So it's not that I'm uncomfortable, but I I recognize there are limits to what I can do. Um, um, But it's not discomfort, but just that I I don't think I'm the one to bring up those topics. Um, In terms of there were there were several podcasts I really thought were wonderful. Um, The one where the the two people from uh, YouTube Health was extraordinary Mm -hmm. because it's the that's universal. Uh, the, The topic basically being. There's so much stuff out there. How do you decide what's really important? And going back to the kind of comments we've made. And I think they really have been able to um, part the waters and say, we have, we have real true information. The other part was something I was Dr. Pete talked about, read the labels, which also really got to me because uh, one of my daughters is basically a chef and an expert in food. And she's written a book called, This Is What I Eat for Kids. She had surgery and had um, a breathing tube. So she had had a soreness in her throat. I was instructed to get popsicles. Well, I went to the market and got every popsicle I could find. And she came back and looked at them and said, did you even read the label? (laughs) Well, apparently one of the names of the popsicles was good popsicle or something. And I thought she just wanted a quote, good popsicle. No, that apparently was the because it didn't have gluten and so it was Dr Pete brought up like read the label because you've got all these things which are going to destroy your body but you never bothered reading the label I mean you want sugar not fructose there's so many on a very basic level so that really resonated with me the other part that you'll get a kick out was lavender I was listening to this person talk about the doctor talk about insomnia I never i mean lavender sound to me kind of foo-foo i mean it's but it was i'm that was my first reaction i'm sorry i was a guy and i was like but you know what she said it and it, it had resonance it really was like get off at bar. it, bart recognize you know there are certain things that work so there was all this great information and the other part that i, I think i mentioned you earlier was that um uh, dr lapuma said don't eat anything that you could wad up and throw <laughs> that's right. Now, that's an <laughs> image that's going to stay with me for a long time. But he wasn't kidding. right? And so there is so much stuff that I could glean from these podcasts. And again, I, I, I'm not a walking commercial for you, but it's too easy not to be because there's all this great information that I just sat there and was right. I was writing stuff down because it was just so interesting. And again, scientifically based. These were people who really knew what they were doing. And you had them from more than a sound bite. Oh my God.
1: I would pay for this.
0: <laughs> Be careful what <laughs> you ask for. <laughs> How about you, Patrick?
1: Yeah. You brought up the John LaPuma episode of using food as medicine. I, I really took a lot from that. Um, I think it, it really goes to the spirit of this podcast of you're just so you feel so empowered with knowledge after after some of these episodes. It's also a great example of why men should listen right there I don't think there's a single thing that doesn't apply to men in that episode and so many others. It's just about well being how to navigate you know the grocery store aisles how to how to decide what should go into your body and what's actually going to slowly um make you unwell. Some other episodes that really stuck out to me were um I had somebody who was in a hospital recently, and there was a, an episode with Monique Nugent who talked about advocating for your hospitalization experience and how to navigate that. And you have to actually take the steering wheel, and you have to be in control. And so really important lessons I took from that that I immediately applied to my life. Some other ones, Angela Marshall, the episode where I think it was called Dismissed. Mm-hmm. That's her book, right? Confronting bias, just about the the gaslighting. A woman can sit in front of a doctor and say, <laughs> "Here's the issue I'm having," and say, "Ah, you're fine. Just go home. You know that's normal. You're you're supposed to have a massive pelvic pain or whatever your issue is." Um, they just just send you on your way. So that that was another thing that I'll I don't think I'll ever forget. What this podcast does so well is it gives you a glimpse behind the veil of this medical system and and from people who are on the inside of it, people who work in hospitals, people who are clinicians, and you get really get the inside scoop of what's actually going on. I also really enjoy the episodes on censorship. It's something that I've seen firsthand where as we work with posting social media clips of the best moments of this podcast, they're censored. So why? We're not talking about anything inappropriate. We're not talking about anything that everybody shouldn't know. Yet somehow they they get removed and they get flagged and they get taken down. While meanwhile, you know, the most inflammatory, inappropriate (laughs) clips are going viral and rising to the top that are, are essentially total garbage content that contain nothing useful or incite, you know, division or or just not positive things to, to consume as content. We, we, we provide the exact opposite. We provide the most um, important things that, that women should know and those get removed. So these are all great things to, to going back to our very first question, what can we, how can we bring men into this? these are great things to get them riled up and to get them to to spread the word and get them to, to talk to the other guys. You know, when the guys are sitting around, you wouldn't believe this. Here's some, you've got some good stuff to, to share.
0: Oh, I love that. Um, and you I actually, I answered my uh, next question. So I'll give it to Bart as well. Bart, how do we get more men to take a listen to this?
2: Good question. Uh, I think the universality of the, of your, of the podcasts have to be emphasized because I think you, your intent is to, um, educate women on women's issues, but with a sub, a subgroup of that is men, because a lot of the, as I say, a lot of the issues you brought up are not just feminine or not just women centric. Um, and I think that you almost do a disservice by saying that because There's so much I learned that I don't think I necessarily would have picked up, except we'd had the conversation and and my wife had been listening to it. And it was really interesting. Um, uh, Again, I'm sorry to be so um, complimentary, but you have a a way of being able to elicit. (laughs) 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 You you, you make people that you're talking to comfortable and they start talking. Now, I know that you've done a lot of research that doesn't come to the surface. It's the, the, uh, the tip of the iceberg because it has to, that had to have occurred for them to feel comfortable and for you to ask the right questions. And I think men are reticent. I think as Patrick had said, we don't, you know, you don't open up a can of beer and start talking about prostates. I mean, it's, or health in general. It's not something that we, we, we talk about in, except with very close friends. And even then it's in parsed uh, segments and very quick. So it, 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 you're dealing not necessarily with generational, but almost a uh, a sexual issue because men don't do this. They don't talk. Sure. They'll, they'll talk about politics. They'll talk about the football and the basketball games. They may talk about uh, health issues in the abstract. Oh, I just went to the doctor, comma, past tense, <laughs> not I'm right. going to the doctor.
0: Well, let me ask you a question because you alluded to it. How has it changed your conversation either with your daughters or your wife or, or other women? Well, I think if I, it has.
2: Well, I'm not sure if it necessarily changed the conversation. It changes my understanding, the context of what they say. I have now a different context of understanding what they're saying and comprehending where it fits in. The resistance to talk about things, I think at times I could have interpreted as being timid. Wrong answer. The reality is it's all there, Bart. You're just not picking up on it and asking further questions about it. So I as, as started to say, when we began, I was kind of not, I kind of, I was naive. I didn't understand all this stuff going behind the, going on behind the curtain. And now I think I have a much better handle on it because there are so many issues that I never dealt with.
0: Interesting. And Patrick, how about you in terms of uh, your conversations or your uh, relationships with other women?
1: The women I'm closest to in my life do listen to the podcast. And so we understand it's okay to talk about these things. And that's what the podcast did for us is it helped me understand what women are dealing with, but also helped the women understand, no, no, we talk about this now. Society talks about this 20, 30 years ago. These were things that you felt like you couldn't talk about. These are the people we care about the most. So let's just start the conversation. And then I think 90% of the time, just starting to talk about something with somebody who who loves and cares about you, you're already headed towards a solution. You're, you're almost there.
0: Last question, and you guys have been really terrific in terms of uh, being so patient. Uh, what did I not ask you that you think would be important for our audience to hear? And you're talking to both men and women.
2: My comment is that The only thing that's constant is change. And in terms of what we don't talk about are the implications of what's going on now. I don't have the ability, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't understand all the implications for activities that occur today and what will happen tomorrow. And so what I think I'm saying is that the education for health for women and men isn't static you have to keep it up in the 1920s t- a tetrachloroethylene which is a dry cleaning fluid was used as an anesthetic in the 20s tce was used as an anesthetic now it's a carcinogen oh my god how intriguing and so the understanding of the synergy between what we do and its implications in the future are unknown, uh, for me at least. And the one, therefore you are charged with having to keep current with what's going on because you don't know what's going to happen next or how to do it. You have an obligation to yourself to keep abreast of new events. And so you're constantly providing new input and new data, And so what haven't you asked? The answer is, I don't know. But if you keep asking, you're going to get closer.
0: Patrick, I'll let you uh, have the last word.
1: For me, that question is, how do we get the word out? And how do we get this to spread? I wish I had an answer because things are not stacked in our favor as people advocating for women's health. So... We talked about the algorithm. I'll just come back to it. It's something I think about a lot as a podcast producer, but we're going to be prioritized below muscled guys who are talking about eating raw meat and taking ice baths <laughs> at 4 a.m. And
0: maybe rightly um, so. That's kind of interesting. No,
1: <laughs> it's not. I know. And it's use, useless information. It's, it is. And, I kind of reflect, how did I fill my head every time I reach for my phone or every time I scroll on the internet? How am I filled with so much use, useless information and somehow all of this useful information about women's health completely eluded me for so long? I posed this question. I don't know what the answer is, but how do we get the word out? I mean, if, if you're listening to this right now, you can share this podcast with people who need to become enlightened and, and who will pass on the word so hopefully that you could spread it to a few people but something big needs to happen I, I really like the youtube health initiative where youtube is creating a separate subsection for real vetted medical advice from professionals that's fact-based and beyond the paper gown will be a part of that as well so so stay tuned because what you hear on this podcast is not misinformation it is vetted by mitzi a professional and it is scrutinized every every word of the transcript of this podcast is reviewed and you can use as a resource you can have confidence in
0: and i will let that be the last word because that was really uh, a great way to end the podcast dr bart sokolow and patrick shambayati Thank you very much for joining me on this conversation. I had a lot of fun and uh, got some insights, and I really appreciate uh, you sharing those insights as well.
2: My pleasure.
1: Thank you for asking. Thank you, Mitzi.
0: Well, we've journeyed through some thought-provoking topics, uncovering some of the nuances of women's health issues. And it's no surprise the role empathy and awareness play in this context. Personally, it's been enlightening and inspiring for me to see men who want to contribute positively to these conversations and become staunch allies in advocating for women's health. And I'm sure you know many of those in your life as well. I want to extend a huge thank you to Bart Sokolow and Patrick Shambayati for joining us and for being so open and candid. You know, it's not every day we get to hear such engaging discussions from this angle, and I'm sure you, our listeners, found it as enlightening as I did. Remember, this really isn't just a one-off conversation. I do hope you'll consider this an invitation to keep these discussions going in your own circles, be it at home, at work, or even during a happy hour. Every step towards understanding and empathy is a step towards better health and well-being for everyone. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more insightful episodes on your favorite platform. You can share your thoughts with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube, and do let us know what topics you'd like to explore next. Check out our website at beyondthepapergown.com for articles, events, and our new page, Making an Impact that lists selected women's health organizations working to improve women's health across the globe. You can subscribe to our newsletter there as well. Join me in raising a glass to better health and understanding for all. Thanks for joining me and take good care. Our podcast is produced by Patrick Shambayati and myself, and our associate producer is Kyla McMillian.